This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the preview show brought to you by the No Name Ever podcast in association with the Talk Sport Fan Network. I am, of course, not Natalie Bromley. I am producer Matt and I'm here with a chock full show to keep you going until Sunday at lunchtime to fill those hours and hopefully disperse some of that nervous energy that I'm sure is uh, is coursing around many Burnley households over these next uh, 36 hours. In the show tonight, we will hear from uh, George Poole and Tom Whittaker, who got together and recorded a little bit of a chat about how they're feeling ahead of the big match on Sunday. We will also hear uh, from the opposition. We have an opposition view, as always, and this time we're going deep behind enemy lines with um, the Phil Bird equivalent from the other side, we've got Matt Silito, who is the uh, the voice of Ewood Park. And uh, we will also hear from Adam Dennett, who has got uh, an FPL update for us um, ahead of the last weekend of Premier League fixtures before the World Cup break. So lots to fit in into this episode. But of course, no preview show would be complete without our very own Statman Dave. Dave, welcome along. How are you doing? Hello, Matt. I'm very well. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm good. I'm glad we uh, we navigated through another round of the League Cup this week. It was good to get a, I think, a win back on the uh, back on the board after after Saturday lunchtime's um, capitulation in Yorkshire. You were at the Crawley match on Tuesday night. Uh, how did you see it? What were your thoughts on the players that got minutes on Tuesday? Um, yeah, it was a, a, a bold selection, nine changes and uh, a chance to give some of the rest of the squad a game. And it looked a little bit dicey at one time. We had plenty of possession. We got caught by uh, a goal on the break. And um, we, we were patient. We kept in it and we uh, we got the equaliser quickly. And then we kept going in the second half and we got, well, we got a couple of goals towards the end. But I think what, as soon as the second goal went in, it was pretty much uh, um, tied on that it was going to be a positive result at that point. Uh, they were probably playing for penalties most of the second half and uh, they were hoping that they would hold on and they weren't able to. The sort of tidal wave of, uh, of, of attacks towards the goal, they couldn't quite hold off in the end. And uh, yeah, Burnley worthy winners, but a little bit of a scare. Yeah, a couple of uh, significant moments, I think, on Tuesday. There was a, a first uh, goal from open play for... Uh, club legend Ashley Barnes and uh, another one of his accidental assists as well. And also a couple of significant debuts as well. So a couple more names for you to add to your lists. Uh, yeah, well, first of all, I'm not sure it was accidental. I thought it was quite a neat flick for the uh, uh, the, the assist he got in the second half and uh, a well-taken uh, goal as well, did, did well with the header. Uh, and yes, we were, we were discussing it, uh, myself and, and Phil Bird, pre-match. We'd had a little bit of a, a, a tip off, and then we saw the uh, the team sheet and uh, a sixteen year old on the bench who, because of the way the match had gone, managed to uh, to get on. So we had, we had two debuts. We had twenty uh, one year old, I think, uh, Marcel Lewis, uh, Cambridge born, 
uh, ex Chelsea um, and had been out in Belgium and and been picked up uh, for the under twenty ones, and then uh, young, very young uh, Joe uh, Bores uh, from Crosby uh, near Liverpool, um, and he was the first sixteen year old to represent Burnley this century. There's not been that many since World War Two. We were looking back and likes of uh, Terry Pashley, uh, Jason Harris. Um, uh, Dave Thomas, Eric Probert I think they were the only ones post-war there were a few uh, pre-war as well but it's quite unusual to have uh, such a young player uh, playing for Burnley he's uh, born New Year's Day 1986 so he's he's coming up 17 in a a month or two Um, but yes he's uh, um, uh, sorry 2006 uh, yeah, um, but it's yeah, r- r- really good to get some young players um, into the side, and uh, yeah, he only got a minute or two, but uh, that's the debut, and hopefully he can push on from there. Absolutely, and uh, last night we, uh, we 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 saw who we we're going to get in the next round, and it's uh, an interesting tie for a number of reasons, really, isn't it? Uh, yes, Manchester United at Old Trafford away. That was actually the last away game I went to. I've not been to a, an away match since uh, since our win at Old Trafford. So, uh, yeah, it'll be an interesting one, be a, a bigger allocation. I think for the league games, you only get uh, about 3,000 at Old Trafford. For the cup games, they push it out, and I think you're allowed about 7,000, something like that. So I think there'll be a, a, a decent contingent of Clarets going over there and, and making some noise at, uh, at Old Trafford and, and pit our wits against uh, uh, a mid-table Premier League side, let's say. Oh, meow. Uh, I think I'm right in thinking that that'll be the first match after the break as well, whereas we'll have had a couple under our belts by that point. So, um, yes. So, hope you know, we may be more in the groove than they are. They might be a little rusty, but yeah. uh, who knows? <laughs> We could be missing a few players as well. I think the the World Cup finals on the eighteenth, and the that that match is the midweek, so it's week commencing the nineteenth. So it's uh, yeah, hot on the heels of the uh, the World Cup final. Absolutely, um, but we're going ahead of ourselves because, of course, um, what we have to deal with first is the small matter of this weekend. And um, before we get to that, uh, last time out, uh, we didn't set you a quiz question as such, but we were interested to hear if any of our listeners could think of a Burnley goal that had been scored later than the 10th minute of added time, as was the case in the 3-2 win over Rotherham United. Uh, Yeah, well, I suspected there weren't any later goals, and none of our listeners seemed to be able to suggest one that was scored any later than that. So until we find any information to contradict it, We'll work on the basis that Halil Dervisoglu's late goal the other week in, is the ultimate late Burnley goal. Now, as there'll be a break from Championship football while the World Cup is on, we won't be setting a quiz question in this episode, but stay tuned to the end for your chance to submit a quiz question of your own. So, finally, we do get to this weekend. It feels like it's been a long time coming since the fixtures were announced in June. And we start, as always, with the head-to-head record. So, Dave, over to you. Uh, Yeah, this Sunday's match will be the 91st East Lancashire derby in the league, meaning that prior to the current campaign, the two clubs have spent 45 seasons together in the league since 1888. Uh, 34 of those previous seasons together have been in the top flight, with another 11 in the second tier. And it's those previous 11 second-tier league games at Turf Moor which we'll take a closer look at. Although the two teams were among the 12 clubs who formed the Football League in 1888, it wasn't until the 1930s that our paths crossed in the second tier. After a goalless draw in October 1936, Burnley won the other two home league games that decade. Firstly, there was a 3-1 victory in April 1938, followed by a 3-2 victory in October 1938, with Ron Hornby scoring the 82nd-minute winner. Uh, There were several more top-flight meetings in the intervening period until both teams met again in the second division in the late 1970s. Uh, Once again, Burnley had the better of it in that decade, starting with a 3-1 win in April 1977. Uh, The next two Turf Moor League meetings were on consecutive boxing days, in 1977 and 1978. In 1977, Rovers came out on top with a 3-2 win, uh, which was described by the Burnley Express headline as 
Rovers hand out a lesson in teamwork. But the Clarets gained revenge exactly 12 months later with a 2 1 win on Boxing Day 1978, thanks to first half goals from Paul Fletcher and Peter Noble. At future Claret, Kevin Hurd scored Rovers' consolation goal in the second half. Uh, into the 1980s, and there's just one game on our list. That was a narrow 1-0 defeat for Burnley in late December 1982, as Simon Garner, boo, uh, he scored the only goal, uh, and then we had to wait almost 18 years until December 2000. Uh, despite being at home, Burnley were underdogs, but played well until Jason McAteer put the visitors ahead just before the break. Uh, Kevin Ball later saw red for what he described as a clash of shins with David Dunn. And Marcus Bent put the result beyond doubt with a second goal towards the end. Uh, there have been just three more second-tier home games since then. The match in December 2012 ended in a 1-1 draw, thanks to a late equaliser from Sam Bokes. And in September 2013, junior Stanislas gave us the lead before we were pegged back by a late goal from Jordan Rhodes. That just leaves one more match, which was a 1-0 Burnley win in March 2016, as Andre, an Andre Gray penalty was the only difference between the two sides. Uh, so overall, Burnley have won five, drawn three and lost three of our previous 11 second-tier home league games at Turf Moor. And we'll be looking for another W to add to the list this weekend. Absolutely. That'd be a great thing to have to head into the World Cup break, a win over them lot. Now, despite the rivalry, there's quite a number of players who have actually pulled on the shirts of both Burnley and Blackburn Rovers. Um, looking down the list that you have compiled for us, Dave, I was trying to I was trying to pick a couple out really for a particular reason, and I settled on a couple of names who played for Burnley after winning Champions League medals, and that would be, of course, David May and Andy Cole. I think mm -hmm. I'm right in saying. Yep. And and there can't be many players who have played for Burnley after winning a Champions League or even before winning a Champions League. So for me, I was looking at the list and and, and they kind of stood out for me for those reasons. Obviously, there's there's some other great names on there who've helped us in recent promotion uh, seasons as well, like some Michael Keane and uh, David Jones. Um, is there anybody you want to highlight off there, Dave? Uh, well, yeah, I, th I think going back, I mean, it was it was quite a well-trodden path in the 60s, but more from Burnley to Rovers. Uh, we had the likes of um, Adam Blacklaw, obviously a goalkeeping legend at Burnley. Um, after he'd played at Turf Moor, he, he went to Ewood Park. Um, uh, John Kennelly also, uh, well, went to Manchester United in between, uh, but also uh, ended up at, uh, at Ewood Park. Um, and then players coming the other way as well. We had likes of uh, Keith Newton, who came to Burnley later in his career. So that was treading the path the other way. And also uh, Kevin Hurd as well. We mentioned Kevin Hurd in our in our uh, previous head-to-head -head matches. Um, he spent, uh, well, he actually ended up playing more games for Burnley than he did for uh, for Rovers. Um, other ones on the list as well. Uh, Lenny John Rose, of course, um, going down the list. And then one who's not on our list, but has since uh, played for Burnley, because we, we do the cut-off of this at the end of last season, is uh, Taylor Harwood-Bellis. He, he played half a season on loan at Ewood Park, and obviously now he's, uh, he's on loan with us. Very good. Now, at this point, we would usually bring you a memory match, but I believe we're going to do something slightly different for this occasion, Dave. Uh, yes, we are. Um, I'm sure that our listeners will have their own memories of the East Lancashire Derby, but rather than singling out a specific match, uh, we're going to revisit something which was written for No Near Never back in our earlier days, uh, but which we thought would be good to hear again now that we're resuming our rivalry with our near neighbours. Um, here is We Are These People written and spoken by Thomas Pickles for No Nay Never. We are born and bred, shown and led, through streets upon which our forefathers tread. We are fetched and fed, our colours which spread, from stitch to skin, from bone to within. We are taught and told, thoughts from old, ingrained into the beliefs we hold. We are these people, together, humble, honest, proud and prepared. In a corner of the world, between hills and old mills, we gather, eyes narrowed, 
foreheads wrinkled and throats strained. Stories spinning, losing, winning. We are these people, together. We are our own heartbeat, we are our own pulse. We are the words which echo in the lulls. We are these people, with our hearts on our sleeves which beat the cobbled streets beneath our feet. We are these people, with history hooked and hemmed from head to heel. We are these people, and we feel. Every step, every stagger, every tackle, every clatter, it matters. We are these people. And at a party of parities, we're only separated by similarities. We are these people. And you can see that video if you go to any of our social channels or our YouTube channel. We'll be sharing that over the weekend again ahead of the match. Now, as we mentioned earlier, we have an opposition view as always. And this week we can hear from the voice of Ewood Park and the voice of uh, the studio operator for Rovers Match Days, Ewood Park PA announcer, Matt Silito. Matt, over to you. Here's your three minutes of wisdom, um, if you like. <laughs> uh, by the way, I'm getting absolute conkers thrown at me for uh, appearing on a Burnley fans podcast. Um, but, uh, but there we go. So, um, yes, look, um, I, I, I was asked the question in the office the other day, actually, from, from an outsider. Uh, outside East Lancashire, um, who actually asked me the question, do you think this is the biggest East Lancashire derby there's been? And I think he's got a point, you know. Um, I think in recent memory, anyway, this could be one of the biggest. And praise is due to both clubs, you know, for being progressive in the way that they, they've played this season. They are Neither side have turned into a stodgy championship outfit who signed has-beens. There's been a progressive nature of how both clubs have done recruitment, and I think that's fair enough for, for both sides. Um, on us, in terms of our lineup and how we'll look, we made a lot of changes uh, on, uh, on Wednesday night at West Ham. Um, I imagine a lot of those will be reversed for this fixture. Um, I think a lot of attention will obviously be on uh, on Ben Briot and Diaz um, as the as the star man. Sky, I imagine, will go will go big on him, but uh, concentrate too much on him, and you forget about a Ryan Hedges for me, who uh, or a Sam Schmodix, who who really come on over the last couple of months or so, and and for me can become more dangerous than Ben himself. Um, ben is your goal scorer. And, and when we're playing counter-attacking football, he could be the player to, to win a game for us. But if you focus too much on him, then a creator in Ryan Hedges or a Sam Schmodix who's popped up with a goal or two recently could be um, could, could be someone who, who wins uh, the game for us. Um, I think it's interesting because, as your listenership will know... Um, your, you know your biggest weakness of your own team. You watch them week in, week out. Blackburn's biggest weakness is the first goal, and it's how you start games. And if you if you press us high, which I know Burnley have done this season on occasions, you will get some joy. We're a progressive team, but we're also a team that will develop or in development. And if you were to press us and force us into mistakes by by us playing out from the back, there's an opportunity for you there. Uh, to exploit us uh, and get that first goal. If Burnley get the first goal, I think we'll struggle. Um, we uh, we are not good. I don't think we've come from behind at all um, in the league this year. Um, however, if we get the first goal, we're very, very good at winning games of football. Whether it's a belief, whether it's body language, who knows? But um, uh, that first goal is absolutely massive and it'll be massive in a derby game, I imagine. Um, from a Burnley point of view, the, the, mom, the moments I've seen them this season, um, your Achilles heel seems to be crosses into the box, whether that be from set pieces or in open play. And that's something that we could unlock. Um, and we do, we do have that capability 
of doing that. We can soak up long periods of pressure and hit teams on the counter-attack um, with crosses into the box. Um, and we've been very, very clinical recently, which gives me hope. Whether that's false hope or not, I don't know. Um, in terms of a prediction, it's difficult to predict. It's going to be tight, isn't it? Either way, it's going to be tight, but it's down to that first goal. If you'd have asked me a month ago, I'd have said, look, I will take a draw uh, because you were flying and we weren't. We were stuttering a little bit. I've got hope and I actually think we might be able to do it just for the reasons I've given you in that we can soak up pressure and have the capability of being very clinical this season. So I think a 2-1 win for us might be on the cards but we'll see we'll see um it's an exciting occasion i'm looking forward to it um everyone should look forward to the occasion um first versus second potentially whoever wins goes top of the championship it's set up to be one of the best games of the season um and i hope everybody enjoys it except if you win thank you matt for that balanced and very professional uh set of thoughts ahead of Sunday. So just one more detail to cover for the match itself, and that is the referee. Dave, who's got this unenviable task of referee in the East Lancashire derby? Uh, David Coote of Newark in Nottinghamshire has been given the task of keeping order at this Sunday's East Lancashire derby. Uh, not only is he in the select one group of English officials taking charge mostly of Premier League games, but for the last couple of years, he's also been on the FIFA international list. Uh, his 15 previous Burnley matches have resulted in five wins for Burnley, five draws and five defeats, and stretch back just over a decade to October 2012. In the three Burnley games he took charge of last season, we lost at home to Brighton, drew at Arsenal and lost at home to Aston Villa. That was as recently as May. Uh, there were no red cards in any of those previous 15 Burnley matches he's taken charge of. And of course, we wish him the best of luck for Sunday. Absolutely. I think we're all just after a very entertaining match of football between what are the top two teams currently in the Championship. Now, as I mentioned at the top of the show, uh, fellow panellists George and Tom got together yesterday evening and they recorded uh, their thoughts and discussions ahead of the big derby on Sunday. And we can hear from This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order mug delivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Um, no. Hello and welcome to this week's informal chat feature in uh, this week's Non In Ever podcast. It's me, George Paul, and I'm here with the man of the hour, Tom Whitaker, who not only lives quite away from Burnley, he actually made the trip to Crawley on Tuesday night. Now, I must admit... I'm coming up from Bath for this Sunday's game, but there wasn't there wasn't a chance I was coming up for the Crawley game, as historic a moment as it was. But Tom, talk us through the game, talk us through your trip and your travel. How was it? Was it worth worth the effort going to? Well, I went to the last round, Shrewsbury away, and that was an incredibly tedious affair. It was like watching a training game. And there was a little bit of that as well. Crawley, you know, just came and put 10 men behind the ball for the old game. But I thought we were we were more excited to watch. Um it's nice having Benton and Zorori to just give you another dimension. And although I was very worried seeing Benton starting because I thought Sod's Laurie's going to get injured and miss the game on Sunday. Thankfully, you know, no injuries to Touchwood. But uh, he did liven it up. Every time he got the ball, he just beat two or three and went the ball in. Um, and obviously, we got the result in the end, which is nice. There's only two championship teams that have gone through. So, yeah, it was, it was an enjoyable enough evening. Um, saw some goals, saw a win, as you say. The historic first ever meeting of Burnley and Crawley. 
so I can tell my grandkids that I was there for that. And uh, yeah, yeah, no, a good evening. I enjoyed it. Well, I I must admit I didn't even I didn't I didn't even watch the game. I watched the highlights. I was that disinterested in the cup this this week of all weeks. But I was delighted to see on Twitter that Ashley Barnes was back to his best, scoring a goal, scoring an offside goal, and even getting a classic Ashley Barnes assist where he has no idea where the ball's going, but it, it somehow bounces off him and ends up going to one of our men. So I think that's that that was the highlight of the evening for me. I mean, Tom, talk us through. What a beautiful header from Ashley. And then an, a delightful accidental assist. It was a great header. Um, maybe he's found his level a little bit against <laughs> League Two defenders. It was a bit frustrating in the second half because the amount and the first half as well, actually, the amount of time they just flash a, a ball into the box. And it was just Barnes there and he drew the defenders. You know, like he loves to make that run to the near post and draw the defenders. And he never got the end of anything apart from obviously the goal that he scored. Um, but there was no one else there. So I felt a bit for him. He uh, he was getting involved and he and he didn't spend the whole game throwing himself to the floor. So that that was uh, it was nice to see. Hopefully it's uh, he's turned over a bit of a new leaf in that regard. Yeah, hopefully give him a bit of confidence for when he, he is needed in the league fixtures. And um, obviously turning our attention to the league. But it, but in 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 terms of the crawler game, we are happy to see. I think it was nine changes that we made in the end. I mean, you mentioned that Benson. I think we we're all a bit like, oh, Benson started. Let's hope let's hope he doesn't get injured. But I was I was personally quite happy when I saw the team. I thought there was an argument to say Benson obviously needs minutes uh, starting a game if he's going to do the same on Sunday. So I was pretty happy to see that team. And then for obviously, uh, gosh, I feel I feel bad now. The the young lad Bowerest was it Joe Bowerest? Who came on sixteen? I think the third, third youngest uh, Burnley debutant since World War Two. So that was quite interesting to see, and just nice for a few of the other lads to, to get a run out. Yeah, like the same minutes in the legs, and like I say, the main thing was no injuries, and uh, and we didn't get any injuries touch wood. Obviously, all eyes were on uh, West Ham yesterday, hoping that uh, Barrison Diaz might get a slight knock that would rule him out just for the weekend, but not to be. I don't think, unfortunately. I think they had the same idea as us, 11 changes. And uh, to be fair, and they got a really good win. And uh, I wonder how much that will affect the dynamics going into the weekend. Yeah, I, I saw uh, Brereton Diaz scored as well. And I thought, it's really not ideal ahead of Sunday. They've definitely got got the confidence and the wind in their sails. But I suppose we have in some way, you know, getting, getting back to winning ways against Crawley. And, I mean, we've been flying. The club, everything that's coming out from the club, it seems like everyone's, very much looking forward to the sun to Sunday's game. I mean, before we talk about ourselves, I suppose we'll t- we'll just touch on the West Ham game that Black that Blackburn played last night, winning on penalties, a real dagger in the heart. When I was uh, checking for updates on BBC Sport, but Brereton Diaz, like you just said, I was personally hoping to see him get a little knock uh, last night, but it doesn't seem to be the case. I've watched the- them a few times this season, and he is he just seems a class above. Everyone else, really. Not only is it like it's his on the ball, but just as a physical, you sit, you stand like because because I've sat near him uh, in a few games, and he's just he's a he's a Hulk, he's a proper big unit, and you just think he looks ready made for for the Premier League. And I suppose the way he played against West Ham last night, if he if the Rovers, heaven forbid, like let's hope they don't go up. But if they, if they, if they do if they don't go up, he'll certainly be getting a big move next summer, and I think he's one to look out for on Sunday. Yeah, I was quite surprised they didn't cash in on him on him in the summer because obviously only one year left on his contract. You'd think their chances of going up. I mean, you'd have said in the summer they weren't great, but I mean, fair play to him. Kept hold of him. I suppose similar to us with Tarkovsky, they thought let's take the gamble and see if we can earn a lot more money by keeping him. Obviously, had a fantastic season. The first half of last season was brilliant. Speed out a bit the second half. He's been pretty steady this season. He seems to score the same goal a lot. He's like, like you say, he's massive and he's he's running in from the left hand side, and he's not like silky or anything. The defenders just bounce off him, and then he just cuts inside. and And he did the same thing last night, cut inside. It wasn't great defending, but cut inside and put it in the top corner. Uh, it does worry you a bit because our fullbacks are not noticed for their uh, fantastic defensive ability, but. Uh, it's one of them. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's the back post header that worries me. It's one swinging it over from the right and Brereton Diaz getting up with Coutinho or Roberts. Um, but I suppose in a way, it's, it's not. You know, if say if he was injured and uh, and then we we beat them, it'd be like, oh yeah, but you only beat us because Brereton Diaz wasn't playing. So 
there is that as well. You know, if they've got the best team out and we've got our best team out and we win, then uh, then that's that's the best way to do it, isn't it? So yeah, I'm quite looking forward to watching him play. It was obviously quite a talking point in English football last season, and uh, and you know maybe it'll be a good audition for when we go up. We can uh, we can have him on a frame or something. That would be ideal. It seems it seems a far cry. Um, it seems a far cry from a few years ago when everyone was mock everyone was mocking uh, Brent Berrettini was signed for seven and a half million, and then all of a sudden, now he started bagging bagging the goals in after he was terrible for the first year he was there. You thought, what on earth have they spent all this money on? I think he was nineteen at the time, but it's certainly paying dividends at the moment. Now, Tom. Where are your nerves at right now ahead of this weekend? Because for me, it's been sort of on the back burner until Crawley was out the way. And then yesterday and today, I've suddenly started to actually think about Sunday and think of the repercussions either way on the result. And I've started to get enormously nervous and I spend too much time thinking about it. Yeah, I don't know. For me, it's never as bad, I don't think, as some because I'm not from Burnley. I don't live in Burnley. I know a couple of Blackman fans, um, that live around here, but it's not the same. It's not like I'm going into an office where there's 20 Blackburn fans waiting to take the mic if we uh, if we get beat on Sunday. So I don't feel it quite as bad. Um, I've been the same as you. I've had a nice little buffer this week. I went to the Crawley game, and then last night I was at Forest versus Spurs, so I wasn't really thinking about the the Blackburn game at that point. But uh, yeah, now that the build up's starting, you're reading you're reading the uh, the interviews and things in the in the press. You're, you're watching the the press conferences and things like that. And uh, yeah, I'd be lying if I said I, w- I wasn't nervous, especially with the, the way the league's set up. You know, it's not just bragging around the stake. Even if we were playing like QPR and, and they were second, it'd be a really big game because, you know, it's it, it might determine whether we're first or third come the come the World Cup. And, you know, I know there's a long way to go even after the World Cup's finished, but it would be really nice to be sat on top of the table with those bragging rights in your back pocket for the whole of the World Cup, wouldn't it? So... Yeah, uh, like I said, I don't feel it as keenly as some. Um, but, you know, the nearer we get to it, the more you're thinking about it. And, and it's definitely not just another game. And I think the fact that it's so rare as well, we don't play it so often, it's, uh, that, that enhances that as well. Yeah, it's, it's remarkable, isn't it? Obviously, we didn't play them for a long, long time before. Um, you know, there was very... It was... They, they tried to haunt us with the all oh, 34 years, 34 years. And we'd, we'd played them, you know, maybe 10, 11, 12 times in that period. But now I'm, I'm, I'm feeling a bit more sympathetic towards that view because now it's 12 years since they beat us. And we've played them, what, like five times in that period. But that's irrelevant. Um, yeah, my nerves are starting to kick up. It always, this this game always feels, I mean, obviously it's different, but it's just, it's just massive. I know my my dad. I just got off the phone with my dad before we got on the podcast, and he was just saying he was just absolutely dreading it. He like he if he had an option of oh do you want to draw Blackburn in the in the next round of the Carabao Cup he'd say straight away no don't want to play them like he hates it. But I, he went to school in Blackburn when he was a kid, so he was commuting from Burnley uh, from Paddyham to to Blackburn, and uh, yeah he got a bit of stick for being a Burnley fan. So he's he just detests them. And then when I was younger. I, when it, everyone who was of my generation was born in Blackburn Hospital because of, Burnley didn't have like a maternity unit at that time. So I was, I know, embarrassing. I was born in Blackburn Hospital um, and I'm sat here in a claret and blue shirt. So something went right. But it meant that because people were born in Blackburn and B, Blackburn were the superior team at the time, everyone around Wally and Cliveroe supported Blackburn and everyone loved to hoard, just hoard it over me. And the amount of stick I got for so many years until we finally beat them in 2014. That 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 win. I mean, Tom, what are your memories of finally beating Blackburn uh, in 2014? The Mar- I remember it to the day I die, 9th of March 2014. What what are your memories of that day? Because for me, it was just absolutely monumental. Yeah, it was. Uh, I, um, I know that the bubble games at the minute are not slated to go ahead this year, and there's a lot. There's a lot that I think is wrong with it. You know, I, I, I don't have any uh, football-related offences to my name and I, I sort of resent a bit being treated like uh, like I have. But the the uh, the sort of anticipation you get by being on the bus, it, it does feel like you're going into a war zone. Uh, you know, it's like you're going into battle for your for your club and it does build quite it builds the atmosphere. Um, and you obviously got bust in really early and you're hanging about, the, the, uh, the tension's rising. They were one nil up. They were lucky. We were lucky. We weren't two 0 down. We weren't playing well at all. 
And yeah, just the way we beat him, it was just like a one-two sucker punch, wasn't it? It's fantastic. There's another one where it wasn't just the fact that we beat them, it was what it meant for our season. You know, I think I think we went something like seven points clear of, of third place without winning, something like that. We, we built a big gap. So it was like, not not only have we just done them in the back garden for like the first time in 13 odd years, we're going up and you're staying down. And it was like, oh, this is it, that's, this is what it's all about. This is why you, you know, you traipse up and down the country. It's for moments like this. Yeah. One of the one of the best memories I've had watching Burnley for sure. It was that was a fantastic feeling to win that. It really was, and it like like you say, I, I I like the fact that you brought up the fact that we were, we didn't play well, and it made it all the more sweeter because the year before in two thousand thirteen, I remember going there. I was right down in the bottom the bottom left of that stand when Dunn put the equaliser in, right in front of us, and I just remember absolutely, I was just crying my eyes out. I couldn't believe what I'd just witnessed after we'd. That game, you know, we played well, we deserved to win, and then Dunn did what he did horribly, and he was offside as well. It was absolutely scandalous. And then on top of that, you had when they came to turf the the following season, the 13-14 season, again, we played really well. We we were, you know, we were a really good team that year and we played some really good football. And who was it? Was it Kane? Not Kane Williamson. He played Pats for New Zealand. Lee Williamson, I believe. Yeah, Lee <laughs> Williamson. Lee Williamson just rugby tackled Danny Ings when through on goal. So it felt yeah. like just incredible injustice again. So and there when... as well in that game was like Michael Duff cleared it and it hit Jordan Rhodes and went in somehow. And it was like, yeah. where did that come from? Yeah, like you said, that's when you start feeling this is never, we're never going to beat these somehow. That's exactly what I felt. It was like, we're just never going to do it. It's just, it, it's obviously not meant to be. And the amount of stick I got in school all the time. And then, so then to, to go to Ewood that time and as, as a, an automatic promotion, you know, favourite at that point, but play some absolutely awful football. And like you, like you said, we should have been two 0 down. Jordan Rhodes hit the post. We were getting battered. So then to come back with the, the one, two sucker punch. I mean, those names will forever like live long in the memory. Ross Wallace whipping in that, that cross for Shackles header, and then him cutting down the right, squaring it across Barnes with another beautiful accidental assist, just sticking his <laughs> sticking his foot out for Danny Ings to just you know swipe it home. And then even it was it was a scuffed finish, like it hit Robinson's leg and bounced yeah, in, but down the middle, didn't it? Yeah, it, yeah. Took, it, took, it takes you a second to realize, oh, that's actually gone in. Oh my god! Yeah. yeah. And then it was just pure ecstasy and you just couldn't believe what was happening for the last ten minutes. And like you said, that the, the fact it's a bubble fixture, it just makes. It made it all the more special, just the anticipation beforehand. But then the going back, I mean, I'll, I've told this story so many times, but every bridge between Blackburn and Burnley was just had like these elderly women, elderly elderly men, people who couldn't make the game, but they were Burnley fans or from the area. And they were all just like waving the flags, blowing horns as like the buses were coming past. It was literally, it was like you said, it was like coming back from, from a battle and, and we'd won. So yeah incredible memories and I just remember like just tearing up on the on the bus home but at least this time it was it was happy tears so for me it, this Sunday is just it's a weird one like you said it's probably got as high a stakes as I've ever seen apart from the the the, the time we did win uh, but that was because of the result but this time we're going to be probably second and third uh, you know we're probably expecting Sheffield United to win on Saturday and go top momentarily but I don't know, Tom. Have you? Have you? Can you remember another time when the stakes were were this high in terms of league position? Because it's it's never been like this that I've ever seen. No, not really. Well, I've been going. I know um, the first time we played them when I was going, like two thousand, two thousand one. Um, we were hovering around the playoffs that season, but we weren't really in the automatic shape. Up, whereas they obviously they went up automatically that season. Give us a drum in it, he would. Um, yeah, other than that, like I think since they came down, they've never really been in the promotion picture at the end. And um, even that year we were in the Prem, they were never really looking like going down. So, yeah, something where we're both, where it's not just the case of uh, of one of us have got something to aim at or one of us needs the points or something. Both of us are going for the same goal and we both want the points. Both had a good start. You know, they're, they're, they're obviously a good side because the amount of wins they pick up and they've got that ridiculous record of they've never there's not been an equaliser in any of their games yet this season you know they've never uh, come from behind to, to get anything but also once they've gone in front uh, they've not relinquished the lead so it puts so much tension on the start of that game you know if we get the first goal then then you'd think their belief will drop their heads will drop a bit they'll have to come out and maybe we can pick them off but then if they get the first one you know it's the opposite isn't it so it's uh, 
yeah, there's, there's a lot riding on it. And it's and even if you're someone like me who's not not necessarily uh, got a huge dose of the the rivalry in the day to day life, doesn't spend that much time interacting with Blackburn fans. It's uh, there's still a lot at stake even even without that. Certainly, and it, it, it's not only it doesn't make it just daunting, but it, I think it makes it exciting, which is quite a nice thing. Like I've seen a lot in the media this week of just you know neutrals being excited. Uh, obviously, broadcasters are really really excited for it. I think James Olcott, who does like you know, Copper Ninety stuff, even said he was going to do like an a, an analysis video, which you just wouldn't see normally. It's it's that big a game, and uh, I think there's there's quite a buzz because, like you said. It's so few and far between. The last time we played uh, was twenty seventeen. That Carabao Cup, uh, Carabao Cup, and we were in the we were going for seventh that year, and they were in League One. And I've I've never seen a more one sided derby game because we went to Ewood and it was like men versus boys, and it was like it it just didn't feel the same because it was so unfair, beautifully unfair, but unfair. So it's the first first league fixture in six years against them, and. Uh, yeah, I just I'm absolutely buzzing for for Sunday. But in terms of the the two teams, I've seen talk on Twitter. A lot of people obviously, I, and we we jest about this, but they ask Alan Nixon's opinion for one reason or another, and he said, you know, I'm not I'm not saying who I think is going to win until I see the team because he wants to see one name, and that's whether Jay Rodriguez plays uh, or not. So, Tom, would you agree with uh, reluctant Nico as reluctant Whitaker? Would you agree with? Uh, that 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 Jay Rodriguez is the key to this game. Yeah, the the ultimate fence sitter himself. Um, <laughs> if you asked him what colour the scar was, he'd say he'll have to get back to you. Um, I think I think Rodriguez will be fit. By the sounds of it, he was very close against Sheffield United. You know, I think you think he travelled, didn't he? And it was a late fitness test. Um, obviously, no point risking him in, in a League Cup game against Crawley. So. Uh, maybe I'm being naively optimistic there, but it sounded to me like he was touch and go for Sheffield United, and uh, and therefore you'd expect with a week uh, without playing that he'd be back. Um, I think that's right in terms of we did see against Sheffield United. There wasn't really a plan B for what to do without Rodriguez, and I don't think we've got enough depth in that position. Obviously, David Shogley couldn't play on Tuesday night because he was cup tied, um, and Barnes, I think we've seen Barnes in uh, a Championship level player, so. You, you will be struggling if Rodriguez isn't playing next. We can't be doing Teller up front and Bastian at number 10 or whatever again. But, uh, yeah, I'm pretty confident Rodriguez will play. And, uh, and that, you know, having a, a local-born player, we've seen in the past uh, from, from there and that, that that can make the difference. So, hopefully that works in our favour this time. Yeah, I can't I can't think of anything sweeter than, than J-Rod scoring, scoring against Blackburn. I've, I mean, it's, it's remarkable. He's never never played in an East Lancashire derby. You know, he... At the, he was he was injured that season in the Premier League we had in two thousand and nine uh, slash ten, and then obviously never never played in one. So this is going to be a big game. And I've seen I think is it Kiko his dad who's put on Twitter videos of the uh, the old song with Peter K opening up and then it going into the new Rodriguez chant, which is well worth a watch. So if you haven't seen it, uh, listeners, go to find Kiko Rodriguez on Twitter. You've got to watch it. Uh, it'll get you very excited for Sunday. But I tend to agree that Rodriguez, it's not it's not only going forward, it's defensively. The way we were picked apart by those set pieces against Sheffield United. Now, if he's fit on Sunday, you just put Rodriguez on Brereton Diaz at every set piece because he's very, it's, it's something you don't think about too much with strikers, but he's really good at defending set pieces is Rodriguez because A, he's tall, B, he's built, and C, he plays with the heart of a lion. He really gets stuck in and it'll be, it'll only escalate on Sunday so I really hope he's fit and it does sound like he's going to be fit but elsewhere on the pitch where do you see the key matchups being uh, and and who who would you like to see because some some players pick themselves but there's a few positions like right back whether we play Vatinho or Roberts in the centre and midfield will Cork and Cullen both be fit um, on the wing do we play Teller do we drop Teller now Rodriguez is back where are the, the key decisions do you think that company has to mull over between now and Sunday? I think Touchwood, it, it doesn't sound like we're missing many. Uh, Cork and Cullen obviously both back. Um, Benson and uh, and Zorori both played on, uh, you know, a part on Tuesday night. Um, I suppose there's that question of whether, whether you start both of them again. I certainly would in this game. I think it's important to get the first goal, so I think I'd, I'd have them both. Um I think right back, it's it's, it's a tough call. It's the much of a muchness at the minute. I think um, I, I wouldn't be too disappointed if either of them's playing. I think maybe 
Roberts is maybe slightly more defensively minded, so maybe that's a shout, especially with Brereton Diaz being on that side. Um, but other than that, I think we can get our best team out there, really. And, and I'd like to see us play an attacking team. We, we spoke last week about maybe playing Taylor as a more defensive-minded wing-back in some games. But I think for me, it's got to be there. You know, the, probably our best team, which is uh, Murich, and then you've got Matson, uh, Bayer, Howard, Bellis, Roberts, or the team. I don't mind, really. Zorori and Benson out wide. You've got Colin and Cork sitting, and then you've got Taylor and Rodriguez, um, and uh, sorry, Brownhill with uh, next to Taylor and Rodriguez. So yeah, that's the team I pick. Attacking team, I imagine that's the team I'll go with. Um, I, I won't lie. There's a lot of when I look at Blackburn Rovers team sheet, I don't know a lot of players. Um, I think a lot of them are quite young lads, aren't they? Um, I mean, uh, this is not to disrespect them um, because they're obviously having a really good season. They've got a lad called uh, Wharton, and they've got they've got brother, don't they? Scott is the centre half, the older one, and is it Andy, the the younger one? I can't mind his name off the top of my head. I think it's Andy, but he's he, apparently he's getting rave reviews. He's meant to be a really kind of tidy midfielder, calling sort of that that position. Um, so I feel good things about him, but a lot of them I don't really know a lot about. So there's no point in me saying, oh, let's put Brownell on to neutralise the threat of. Ryan Hedges or whatever because I couldn't say a thing about Ryan Hedges to be honest probably just because I've not watched much of the championship in the last few years but as I say that's not to disrespect them because they're obviously a good side hopefully Vincent's done a bit more homework than me and uh, they'll have an idea of what teams to put out but I'd like to see us impose our game on them you know they're, they're beatable they're a lot more beatable than we are if you go over the the season and the amount of defeats each team has suffered so let's get out and let's get an early goal let's watch them fold that's, that's what I'd like to see yeah, uh, one thing I will pick up there is, uh, would you would you start Teller? Because I'm just thinking if you've got Cork and Cullen and then Brownell sitting behind Rodriguez and then Zorori and Benson either side, is there room? There's not room for Teller if I'm being right. Four two three one, no room for Nathan. Yeah, uh, is that right? Uh, yeah, if you've got Cork and Cullen. Oh yeah, you're right. Sorry, yeah, yeah, she, yeah. yeah, of course, because he's been playing. Um, yeah, yeah Gerard or Brownell. Both played on the but obviously Brownell was out. Yeah, mm. no, that's a good point. I can't even do my maths, let alone me research. Yes, well, maybe, well, I guess you're picking from two or three then, aren't you, for Zorori, Benson and Teller. So maybe you'll think, maybe I'll do the old Benson off the bench trick again. Um, yeah, uh, again, that's probably one where I think I'm not too disappointed with uh, with which, whichever he goes for. There's three good players, Teller, Zorori and Benson, and it's good to know that you've got one of them to bring on as well. Yeah, certainly. It's, it it's makes such a change, doesn't it? And it, it does just fill me with a bit more excitement for after Touchwood. Oh, gosh almighty. Touchwood will have a few players back after the World Cup break. I'm thinking Scott Twine, uh, if we manage to sign him on a permanent from MK Dons in January. Um, and then you obviously you've got Westwood to slot into the midfield uh, to rotate with Cork and Cullen. And then one guy I'm really looking forward to seeing again is Darko Cherlinov. Now, I think it might be a bit of a long-term one, that one. But he he was really good when he first signed. So, yeah, it's nice to have options off the bench. Uh, so, in terms of the score, we'll, we'll wrap things up for our little chat before we, we pass you back to, to Natalie and, and Dave on the main show. Um, Tom, what are your predictions for Sunday? Where Who do you see the goal, keep, goal scorers being? How much are you looking forward to this? And just, you know, give me everything. Yeah, uh, as I say, uh, equal parts, nervous and excited. Um, I don't see it being, I'd love, I'd, I'll tell you what, I'd love to mention earlier that shellacking we got at Ewood a few years ago. I'd love to avenge that and stick a few past them. I think even all the wins we've had against them recently, they've all been by the odd goal or two. You know, it's not been a complete drum in that League Cup one. We didn't sort of turn the screw on, we could have. Um, so I'd love to say we win three or four nil and really flatten them, but I don't, uh, I don't think there's that much between the teams. So, Let's have a one or two, a one or two nil. Let's just kind of edge our way past. Let's get the three points. Doesn't matter how we do it. And uh, and you touched on it earlier. It would be fantastic to see Rodriguez score. Yeah, that's that's the dream. I think for me, I just I like like you said. I just I want to see us play our passing game. I want us to show them. You know, this is the style of football we play. This is a completely different Burnley. You know, really dominate them and. The dreams, J-Rod scoring. Now, my dad said earlier he's hoping for, you know, 3-0 after 20 minutes, a bit like, you know, Wigan, just to take, take the nerves off. But I can't see that happening. You know, it'll, it's going to be a tense affair. I think we'll struggle to play our noble game because there'll be a lot of energy in that stadium and it's sometimes hard to to bottle that up. Um, So I'm, I think it'll be a tight game, but I can see Jay Rodriguez has got to get on the score sheet. And 
you know, we've we've got to get a win. We've got to get a win and we've got to avoid defeat. That's that's my ambitions for Sunday. But just really looking forward to it. You, you just, there's plenty of games you win over the years, plenty of derbies, you know, Preston and Wigan, etc. But the, these ones just stand out. You, I, I think it was Brownell who's talked in the meet, talked to, they've done a Burnley thing today where he said, you, I've, I've been reading so much about this and every goal scorer, you become a hero. And it and it's exactly like that, you know, over the years you think, like I said earlier, the fact Shackle, he left us in a bit of like a weird situation, you know, there's a bit of resentment. But still in my my mind, he's a bit of a legend because of that equaliser. You think Danny Ings, I mean, the pictures that have gone around this week where Burnley have been editing the images, it's all of all of the heroes of recent times. And then you think Scott Arfield with that goal and then running the the length of the pitch. And well, yeah, yeah, that's exactly for the listeners. We're on the podcast. Tom's just pulled a painting uh, off his wall, which is of that Danny Ings with his arms down, you know, in front of the Burnley fans at Ewood after he scored with everyone, all the Blackburn players on the floor behind him. Just, yeah, those images just stick with you because this this game means more. So it's been a pleasure talking about this game. We're all, you could probably tell, giddy, excited, nervous, all of the above for Sunday. But let's get a bouncing atmosphere Hopefully, I believe there's going to be some um, Remembrance Sunday things uh, ran by the club. So we'll see what that is on Sunday. But it's just going to be bouncing. Tom, any last words? Excitement for, for Sunday? Well, I've only got three words for you. Up the claret. Yes. And on that note, we'll speak to you next week after Touchwood, a win against the Noisy Neighbours. Thanks, guys. And we'll speak to you next week. Thank you to George and Tom, now, Dave, big question. How are you feeling ahead of Sunday? How do you uh, how do you see it going? How do you think Vinton's going to approach this? Uh, well, he's got plenty of experience in derby games. He played in uh, several uh, be- uh, between Manchester City and Manchester United, and he's been involved in ones um, as a manager and obviously as a younger player um, out in uh, Belgium as well. Um, I think that... Um, He's going to be fairly level-headed about it. I think uh, he'll take it all in his stride. I think there are um, he will need to make sure the players are primed so he can he can pass on that experience as well. Um, and I think it's a case of once you get going, um, it's it's not just another game. It's never just another game. Um, but you, the players have almost got to stick to the the, the plans they've had or the tactics they've had. Um, and try not to let the occasion overtake them because it can it can do that sometimes, um, and and basically do what we do best. I think if if we play the way we're capable of, uh, we've done very well in matches. At, well, we've done very well home and away. We've just had the uh, the two away defeats. We're undefeated at Turf Moor in the league, uh, six wins and four draws so far, um, and obviously um, a, a cup win as well. Um, I think if we can stick to that um, um, with the players that are, are developing as well, then uh, we've got every chance of getting a positive result, and we'll all be uh, we'll we'll be shouting that on and uh, from the stands on uh, on Sunday afternoon. One point that our opposition view made, and I think Tom picked up on it as well, is that um, Rovers this season, when they've gone behind, they've not managed to get back into a game, but when they've gone ahead, they've also been able to to hold on to that lead. So do you think the first goal is, is going to be even bigger than normal in this match, given that kind of statistical history for them this, this season? Yeah, we better score first, haven't we? <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it's an oddity. I think that, you know, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, it can become psychological, can be a bit of a millstone around a team's um, uh, neck. Um but yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll just do what we what we do, and 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 hopefully we can get that early goal, and that does take the pressure off a little bit. I mean, we know that when we have gone in front, uh, we've conceded, so that that's kind of the flip side of the coin from from that respect. Although we have had other games where we have uh, gone behind and and come back, so um, we we've lost and gained points from uh, uh, in that respect uh, during the season to date. I, I think we just need to make sure we we play the way we're capable of. Um, we've got the sort of players, particularly from the wings. We we don't know yet who the starting lineup's going to be. We don't know whether perhaps um, Benson might be kept on the bench. He played the foot well, almost the full ninety minutes, didn't he? On the, uh, in midweek, whether it may be a case of you know we we play Zorori and and Teller 
and then Benson comes on later on. I don't know, but it will obviously we'll find out an hour before kickoff. Um, he's, he's been very effective in in both. We've discussed this previously on the podcast whether he should be starting, whether he should be on the bench. Uh, there was some thinking that perhaps you know is is more of an impact sub at the moment. But then obviously he started against Sheffield United and scored twice in the first half. So um, he's more than capable of, of doing that as well. Um, we've just got to stick with what we what we know, and I think that uh, if we play to the best of our ability, we will win the match. I mean, we we are I think favourites um, being at home. Um, I think if we won at home and and got a draw at Ewood Park, we wouldn't be too disappointed. Um, but yeah, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a tense one on on Sunday. Um, are we going one to of them as well. Sorry, are we oh, going to score? Oh, I just assumed that you'd say one one. <laughs> Uh, no, no, I'm going to go oh, for a 2-1 win. Oh, oh. You're going for what, sorry? 2-1 win. A 2-1 win. Are you going into detail? Are we going to get names on that? Or you keep staying, uh, staying I vague? Think we'll, I think we'll score first. Uh-huh. And I think we'll, uh, yeah, I think it'll be, we'll go 2-0 up and then they'll get a consolation, make it a little bit tense towards the end. In terms of goal scorers, it's tied on for J-Rod to get one, isn't it? So I think, uh, it, assuming he's, he starts... Uh, Jay to score the first, and then maybe I don't know, may, maybe one from uh, Taylor Harwood Bellis to get the other one, and then I, I don't know who's going to score for them. I'm not, I'm not going to be that precise. Okay, I think I'll, I think I will also predict a win. I think last Saturday was probably the wake up call the team needed, and a little bit of a kick and a little bit of a reality check. And I think he'll have done a lot of work with them this week, and he uh, he understands the importance of this fixture and um, I feel it might be more of a cautious approach. I wouldn't be surprised to see some changes to the back line. I'm, I'm going to just go for a 1-0. I think it's going to be tight and I think we'll be hanging on and everybody's nerves will be shredded by half past two. So uh, I'll go for 1-0 and yeah, I think I think it's nailed on for Jay really. I think it's it's that final line in in, in his Burnley chapter really is to get a goal in this, in this fixture. So um, so, yeah, I'll go for that. Moving on now to your stat of the week. What have you got for us this week, Dave? Right. Well, despite our recent run of positive results against our fiercest rivals, uh, Burnley have only won once in the last seven meetings between the two teams at Turf Moor in all competitions. Uh, that was the 1-0 win we mentioned earlier in March 2016 when Andre Gray scored from the penalty spot. Uh, prior to that, you have to go back a further 38 years to Boxing Day 1978 for our next most recent win at Turf Moor. Uh, on a more positive note, uh, Sean Dyche famously never tasted defeat against Rovers during his time as Burnley manager. And you have to go back over 12 and a half years or 4,613 days to the last time the Blue and White Halves won a match against the Clarets. That's a run of seven East Lancashire Derby games undefeated. Let's really let's hope it's uh, it's eight. Comes uh, Sunday afternoon. So the final thing we need to do here is hand over to Adam for his uh, fantasy Premier League update. So Adam, it's all yours. Hi, Adam here with a quick game week fifteen FPL review. Starting off with your team of the week. In goal, Danny Ward from Leicester, keeping a clean sheet in his side's 2-0 win away at Everton. Uh, the back three, Gabriel from Arsenal, scoring the winning goal away at Chelsea uh, and keeping a clean sheet. 15 points for Gabriel. Uh, alongside him um, is FPL team of the week regular, Kieran Trippier, with another assist to his name and coming off before Newcastle lost their clean sheet away at Southampton in their 4-1 win. Uh, Dina completes the back three um, in Aston Villa's 3-1 um, scoring in Aston Villa's 3-1 victory against Manchester United um, and I should say that this lined up in a 3-4-3 formation into midfield your top scorer of the week James Tavernier uh, for Bournemouth two goal, uh, a goal and two assists and three bonus points uh, when they threw, a, they threw a, away another lead away at Leeds United 3-1 up lost 4-3 uh, but Tavernier um, did his owners proud. Salah back in the goals. Two goals in Liverpool's victory away at Spurs. Uh, Jacob Ramsey um, on the score sheet for Aston Villa at home to Manchester United. 
Somerville for Leeds, uh, becoming a bit of a hero this um, this week. Very cheap, um, down as a defensive midfielder in FPL. Uh, but I think he's scored in his last three games now, 13 points, one to keep an eye on. And completing the midfield, Adam Lallana, um, with a goal and an assist in Brighton's 3-2 win away at Wolves. Up front, Sam Greenwood from Leeds United. Um, another one of the players on the score sheet and three bonus points on uh, on Saturday and completing the lineup, a Man City striker but not Erling Haaland disappointingly, it's Julian Alvarez with a goal and all three bonus points in his side's late late victory against Fulham um, on to the no-name of a league, just a quick rundown of the top five, in fifth place up into fifth, Alice Flanagan um, with 922 points Fourth, down a place, Daniel uh, down two places, sorry, Daniel Shepherd, 930 points. Brad Banks stays in third on 931 points. Up two places into second, Dylan Crowther on 935 points. And maintaining his 25-point lead at the top is Rupert Booth. He's sent a nice picture to our socials of his no name never sticker for winning October's manager of the month. Uh, so well done again for that, Rupert. Um, just on to a couple of brief notes, so um, a few keen FPL managers were left frustrated last weekend um, when the site crashed half an hour, well, 50 minutes before um, before kickoff and 20 minutes before the deadline after we got some leaked Man City team news that Foden and Haaland weren't going to start um, at home to Fulham. So, uh, yeah, couldn't make your changes, so maybe just bear that in mind this weekend. Man City, the early kickoff again. Make sure you've made your transfers uh, before, well, probably about an hour before, just in case. Um, it is the last game week before the World Cup, uh, so if you've still got a wild card, you've got to use it or you'll use, or you'll lose it. Um, there are a few teams with really good fixtures this weekend that you can target with either your transfers, because you may as well make a transfer because you get free transfers throughout the World Cup. Um, Spurs are at home to Leeds a very leaky Leeds defensive even though they've uh, managed to turn the form around in the last few weeks um, Perisic and Kane Perisic playing further forward but listed as a defender uh, looks like a good pick and Harry Kane even though Conte said he's knackered um, should you'd think would start uh, given their injuries and you'd expect him to do well uh, Man City at home to Brentford uh, the only danger is obviously the rotation uh, Foden and Haaland were both on the bench in midweek against Chelsea in the Cup, so that's got to be good for the chances of starting this weekend. Uh, Liverpool are on Southampton, if you want a, um, a punt on uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold or Robertson in the defence, or Salah in midfield is a decent captain pick this week, especially if we get news of um, of Haaland not starting again. And Nunes um, up front, very hit and miss, but... Uh, for a one-week gamble at home to Southampton, it might be worth it. Arsenal play Wolves. Um, I think a lot of people have got a lot of Arsenal players already, but if you haven't, they're, they're a good option. And United are away at Fulham. Uh, just a reminder that the deadline is at 11am on Saturday. Um, and by no way is FPL anywhere near the most important thing happening this weekend. So let's all hope we can get a good win on Sunday against those lot down the road. Here's to Green Arrows to you all, up the Clarets. Thank you to Adam for that update and his advice heading into this final weekend. Depending on how quickly you listen to this episode, the advice may still be useful to you or the deadline may have passed and it may be redundant. But I'm sure there was some advice in there as well for what to do with your team during the World Cup break. Um, now, there's no quiz question this time due to the fact that we're heading into a four-week break. But if you have any pressing Burnley FC-related questions you would like an answer to, then why not get in touch with us on the usual methods and we'll see if we, or more specifically Dave, can help you. Something to fill Dave's time during the World Cup there. So that's all we've got time for ahead of Sunday's big, big game. Thanks to everyone who's contributed to this episode to George and Tom for their thoughts, to Matt Silito from the other side for his thoughts ahead of Sunday, and to Adam for his FPL update. And of course, to Dave for putting together all the stats and the history for this week's episode. If you are going on Sunday, 
then please enjoy the match and let's hope for a big Burnley win and to head into that World Cup break sitting pretty at the top of the championship. I've been producer Matt. This has been the preview show from the No Name Never podcast, part of the TalkSport fan network. Until next time. The No Name Never podcast is brought to you in association with the TalkSport fan network. Natalie Bromley is the host and editor, and the show is produced by Matt Moss. Our resident statistician is Dave Roberts, and our FPL expert is Adam Dennett. The analysis show team is collectively Tom Whitaker, Richard Steele, George Poole, Charlotte Rigby, Adam Dennett and Robbie Kopak. Our music is provided by George Gaskill and our newsletter team is headed up by Jamie Smith. If you don't already, you can subscribe to our newsletter by visiting nonadnever.substack.com. Our thanks as ever go to our partners TalkSport. We are as ever proud to be part of the TalkSport fan network. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.